Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stochastics On The Contrary. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter, at PlayerQDFS. We have just a two-person show for you today. I'm here. I'm joined by Matt Savoka. You can find him on Twitter, at Draftaholic. And this show is sponsored by PrizePix, which offers daily prop-based contests. Give us a like and subscribe while you're coming in to keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out today's free premium tools and data, which are MLB top stacks. And if you're still playing MLB DFS, don't forget that everything we have to offer for MLB night slates on DraftKings is also 100% free for the remainder of the season, which gives you a great chance to give our tools a shot before purchasing. Just click the DK Night Owl link below to check out tonight's tools and projections. I'm excited to be on this two-person show. You know, I love the three-person shows. I love bringing in people every week, but uh, Matt and I used to do Monday night football shows together last year. Some of my first shows on the, I guess, then awesome channel, but uh, on the, on the stochastic team. So really excited to be here with you today, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And to be honest, Neil, I'm just sitting here and I didn't expect anything less. You're the consummate professional, but I was just comparing what you just did as that lead in compared to those first few shows you did. I'm like, this guy is polished. Damn. I'm impressed. I mean, we're all impressed with the kind of run you've been on over the last few seasons in NFL DFS. I'm still learning from you. Uh, and so I'm just I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to talk about the way I'm seeing things. And a three-person panel be damned. I think a two-person show is perfect. Uh, I'm excited to get some of your thoughts as well. We're going to have a lot of fun. We just get to talk a little bit more when it's just the two of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is what we're here. It's, this is I, I said this right before. This is a purely selfish endeavor. I'm getting information. Maybe I'll say a few things about football for people listening and watching. But um, really, I'm just here to see how you're doing. That's that's all this this, this is about. I mean, you're the perfect guy to talk about football. I feel like we had a good like yin yang thing going on with the football where I would just kind of throw out some opinions, guys that I thought, you know, oh, this guy's going to be low owned, so maybe I like him. And then you'd come in with like the football knowledge. You'd come in with the hardcore, like you've been doing some some deep dive. So uh, I think it'll be it'll be a fun show to get some of that football knowledge on this show. Uh, do you have any let, let's start with just some basic strategy for this slate. Do you have any thoughts just, uh, you know, more generally about this slate before we dive in position by position? I think the easiest thing to start with is the absence of DeAndre Swift. We basically got the the 99% confirmation of what we already knew, that he's going to be out, making Jamal Williams likely the most extre- extremely chalky player on the slate. It is a good situation, but let's just start there, right? Fading Jamal Williams is the easiest way to get different on this slate, and it's not very hard to see ways that this goes wrong for a Detroit offense that is going to miss Amon Ross St. Brown tremendously. 
how do we know that this offense hasn't just hit its tipping point, meaning it's going back to the same old uh, decrepit Detroit Lions offense we've seen over the last few years? It's been a great few weeks, but I think losing Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, the two biggest playmakers in that offense, means bad things for all all parts of that offense. And while it's fine in cash games, in tournaments, I'm probably going to be well under the field. You're just coming in hot right away, just jumping right to Jamal Williams as a, as a fade. Um, that's uh, all right. I love it. I love I, love I mean, he's number one on our early. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he, he looks great in the boom bust tool, but you're saying you, you think that uh, the, the whole Detroit offense could be in trouble. So maybe you don't entirely buy it. Obviously, we're working with, you know, in these tools, they're, they're the best in the business, but also we're working with small sample sizes. So sometimes you got to go with your intuition a little bit with some of that football knowledge. And you think there's a, a chance at least that the Detroit offense just falters out of the gate. That's really it, right? The opportunities and then comparing it to salary based expectations. There's no concern there. Everybody I mean, drink. That- Salary based expectations. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But we're we're trying to say what's the easiest path so that I mean I really learned this from you is when we are right, how do we differentiate ourselves from the most of the pack? And I think this is one of the easiest ways to get there. Oftentimes I'm not saying I'm not even saying he's bad chalk necessarily. I'm just saying that this is the easiest way to get different. The start of us getting different. I mean, this is on the contrary after all. After all, that's just the easiest path, not necessarily my absolute favorite. Okay. Uh, so, so Landon in chat saying, let's talk about the Tua injury real quick. Man, that shook, shit looks serious. Yeah, that uh, that was not fun. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time on the Tua injury. I don't really know what there is to say about it. I think we're on the same page that Tua probably shouldn't have been playing last night. Not only that, I mean, we got to go, we got to take a step back. We got to figure out what are the steps that led to him being able to play. And then these are all for smarter people than me. And then figure out what is the safest way for him to return to the field. If we, you know, we're trying to be fantasy speculators at this point is kind of nonsense because the, the return date is so unknown. I honestly think there are so many unknowns at this point. All we can really say is prayers up for him. We really hope he's okay. Um, we'll break down the Dolphins, whoever their quarterback is when they're back on the main slate. And uh, I guess we can also add that just thrilled that he was able to be discharged and travel with the team. Yeah, that was really great news that he was able to travel with the team. But uh, yeah, still didn't look great. I don't know. It's uh, it's not much to say other than really sucks. Uh, yeah, prayers up. Um, and sorry to Nick Lepre for uh, losing your your favorite quarterback. That's uh, that's a tough beat right there. He was bummed this they're morning. They're looking so promising. They're you know Miami looking so good this year. So that's a really tough break there. Um, I, I think that's about. And you know as you said, we are not medical experts. So both of us have the opinion that he probably shouldn't have been playing in that game. They had medical experts look at him and say that he was okay to go. So um, you know what what do we know? But from from the looks of it, it didn't look didn't look like he should have been able to play. Um, but I guess uh, we, we can jump in from there to talking about some quarterbacks. I think that's the first place we can go on this slate. And let's start with, uh, I, I've been starting these segments, even though this is on the contrary, I like to start just to put things in pers- into perspective by talking about some chalk. So is there any chalk that you see on this slate at quarterback that you're willing to eat the chalk? Oh yeah. I'll eat the chalk on Josh Allen. As we already talked about with ways of differentiating ourselves on the slate, that's not necessarily difficult. And this Baltimore defense, if you heard me on any other shows this week, talk about schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. That's a metric that compares a defense's fantasy points allowed to the offenses they're playing and their average fantasy points score to try to contextualize it a little better. This is the first week where we can use data all from 2022. It doesn't go back to 2021. And Baltimore 
is one of the most surprisingly bad secondaries. We know a lot of that is swayed by, say, the second half against the Miami Dolphins, but they also gave up a pretty big week to Mac Jones before he got hurt as well. And now we've got Josh Allen and company in a situation where they would like this to be a get-right game. 11.6% current DraftKings ownership in our latest run. That's not too much for me. I'll eat the chalk there. Okay. Yeah, that, that seems like it makes some sense in a game that, I mean, those are two solid offenses. So even with uh, the the Ravens having a pretty good defense and the Bills obviously having a pretty good defense as well, uh, I think that makes some sense. Man, I, I hadn't thought about this. Because it's just a two-person show, I got to I gotta sh- share some of my own opinions too. So I'm going to be looking at trying to figure out which chalk I'm willing to eat. I mean, Marcus Mariota looks like he is a little bit chalky, getting 9% projected ownership. He looks great in the boom-bust tool though, booming 14.5% of the time. Optimal 11.3% of the time. I think I'm willing to eat some Marcus Mariota chalk against the Browns. Not a great defense. Uh, 21st in terms of past EVOA, according to Football Outsiders. So, I don't know. He... He was pretty good last week. He was pretty good last week. He's got some great weapons on the team against a good defense. I guess I'd be willing to eat a little bit of that Marcus Mariota chalk as well. I mean, let's let's just roll it back to the easiest statistic there is. Actual points. The Falcons have scored 26 or more points in every single game this year. Uh, yes, please to that offense, especially if their quarterback is still low in salary and he rushes, get, adding to the floor and ceiling there. Remember, the boom bust tool, if you're using it over on stochastic.com, that boom percentage that Neil just referenced, that's relative to salary. So that means that because of his salary being considerably lower, he well outperforms those expectations significantly more. I, I, I get that. I don't even see like 9% anymore as like significant chalk because I, I call it the great flattening. At a certain point of QB ownership every week, we just get this great flattening. Here it's around 6%, 5%, but like I don't even see 9% as that uh, chalky. I can get weird in other places. It, literally one other part of my lineup and probably get a, a pathway to uniqueness. Okay, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're on, on the same page as me with Marcus Mariota as somebody that you are willing to eat some. But that's not what the show is about. So we're, we're, we're going over the chalk. What we're really doing on the show is we're talking about some contrarian plays. So that's that's the fun of this show. Are there any contrarian quarterbacks that you like this week? I typically set the bar at like 5%, but honestly, it's uh, you can read contrarian however you want. Well, I mean, that's an easy bar at this point because Lamar Jackson, who just keeps breaking fantasy football, has a projection of 4.6% ownership right now. And I get that the salary is high, and I get that we don't have a ton of values outside of the aforementioned Jamal Williams, but um, Buffalo's defense is good. Lamar Jackson's really good, too. That's really all I got to say is uh, his projection is still within the top three quarterbacks. Again, that's a median projection. And then from a ceiling perspective, he's showing how he can break fantasy football on a week-to-week basis. Can I predict a 40-point week from Lamar Jackson better than anyone else? Absolutely not. But when you're telling me that that's the way I get different this week and in a single lineup, I literally just play Lamar and he goes off. Uh, that's a, talk about ways to get unique that I like. That's that's the first one on the docket. All right. I, I like that call. Lamar is obviously at, at under 5% ownership, given what he's done so far this year. What has he got to do to get people to start playing him? Uh, I guess the price tag is high, but he's Lamar Jackson. He's been crushing it. So I hear what you're saying there. Uh, it's also gotta, direct leverage off of the people playing Allen in that same game at 11.6% ownership. It's just a lot to like there. That's a great point. 
Um, all right. So I got a question uh, from Brandon Wagner in chat saying, Neil, you've got to be on board with me with Jacoby Brissett today, right? Um, Jacoby Brissett is at 4.4% ownership. You know, he looks very neutral in the boom bust tool, but I can kind of see it. We, we got Jacoby Brissett playing against that Falcons defense, 24th in pass DVOA to 27th in rush DVOA. So just, just not a great defense overall, not really a funnel one way or the other, but Browns expected to put up, uh, have a, an implied team total of 25.5 points, um, at least as of Wednesday when I made this sheet. So it's probably somewhere around that range. I think J- Jacoby Brissett looks okay. What, do you have any thoughts on Jacoby Brissett today? I'm in. This weekend? You're I'm in. in. You're going to play some? Atlanta is second worst in the NFL, ahead of only Baltimore, in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses this year. Uh, if there's one catch-all metric for defenses, for fantasy, that I want to use. It's this one and Atlanta is coming up bad so far. Yep. I like it. it it's a good call. And then I think we got to talk about, it's been kind of a, a big talking point on Twitter and people, uh, somebody just brought it up in chat as well. Gino Smith is facing the lions. Uh, there was a, a conversation between uh, James, man, what is, I forget James's last name. And then Derek Cardi um, about whether, whether Gino's a, a good play, uh, James, man, I, the, the guy who, who does the theory of DFS with Blender, I'm forgetting his last name, but he was saying, man, people are talking about Gino Smith. If people are playing Gino Smith, that just shows that there's still edge in GPPs. If other people are going to be playing Gino Smith, let them do it. And then Derek Cardi uh, from Roto-Grinders came back and said, I actually really like Gino Smith this week. He looks not great in the boom bust tool, you know, coming in at 6.8% ownership optimal 3.7% of the time, but man, that game is sort of interesting to me. Just two pretty bad defenses. Uh, do you have any interest in Geno Smith against Detroit this week? I had higher hopes for this game when I hoped that at least one of Swift and St. Brown were to play. Why does that matter for Geno Smith? You probably understand this, Neil, but just to make sure I break it down a little bit further, I think that Detroit, we kind of already said this, Detroit has a tipping point here where they just may not be able to play at the offensive productive level that we've seen in the previous three weeks. And if that happens, they're not going to be pushing Geno Smith like Atlanta was because they're scoring 26, 27 points a game to the point where he threw for 325 yards on 44 attempts on 405 air yards as well, meaning he's throwing it deep. I see more ceiling potential. The bottom line is if he's going to throw 44 times and have 400 air yards, he's got more ceiling potential for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But I do think this total being extremely high will just lead people here naturally. And I actually think the under is the way I would go considering the ways that this could fail. I don't love Geno Smith, but I understand why people are getting there more so than even previous weeks. Yeah. So a lot of these, I, I'm just using my same sheet that I used from Wednesday for looking at the team totals, but I figured I should at least look this one up because things have moved a little bit. looks like the Seahawks team total has dropped from 22.75 to 22, the Lions from 27.25 to 26. So it's already moving downward. Um, it, it is a little bit less interesting than it was on Wednesday, but you know, I still think that Geno Smith is in play. I'll probably have some Geno Smith while we're talking about this game. I mean, Jared Goff is in the same game. Is it sort of the, the same analysis there for you? You're not expecting the game to to be as good without Amon Ross St. Brown uh, potentially or or DeAndre Swift. Are you still going to have any interest in Jared Goff? I don't think it's impossible for him to hit against a Seattle defense that is so-so, but I don't even think it's controversial to say that Jared Goff is a talent is not a talent lifter as a player. He is lifted by his talent. And when you take away the two premier talents on a team and you got DJ Chark possibly out and you got Josh Reynolds banged up, And so now you're relying on some combination of Jamal Williams and 
TJ Hawkinson, of course. Uh, Again, I think we possibly have hit that tipping point where I don't want any Jared Goff. He's been great so far, overperforming expectations, but this is not my favorite spot. Okay. Um, we got a comment. Baldy knew if anyone call out Sean V for his horrible Hearst take. Uh, people in the football chat might not know Sean V quite as well as the, the baseball people. I feel like he's maybe as active in every chat, but I, I know more from uh, all of his baseball bad takes. But we just assume that Sean V is wrong until he's right. That's just the, the default assumption. So we don't need to call him out on his bad takes. We just we give him kudos when he has a good take. Well, we specific Eric specifically asked us uh, if you could guarantee one touchdown for one player who would it be? And we both said, if we, it could just be one. We said Hayden Hurst. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, that is just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, Hayden Hurst scored. A scores. He ends up in the, in the optimal. He was also, well, while I was talking with Greg, he was saying, oh, you can't play Hurst as we were talking about. You can't play Hurst. Horrible play. You know, just the, the usual, the usual Sean V uh, comments in chat, but uh, just having some fun with Sean V because uh, the man has some takes and sometimes they're right. Uh, often they're not. Um, all right. Any, any other quarterbacks that you want to talk about that you like, or should we move on to some fades? Uh, I guess we didn't talk about Hertz. Who's in that same uh, premium tier and in that same chalk range. I actually think that hurts is a, a player that I'm going to be under the field on. And it hurts me to say that because I think Jacksonville's <laughs> defense is better than people think at this point. People, the offense is the one getting all the love right now in Jacksonville as much improved, but actually it's that defense that is playing much better than expected. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Also. So hurts is your fate actually. So uh, I do want to throw one more name at you just because I have some interest here. Do you have any interest in Baker this week uh, at 5,200? He's projected for 4.7% ownership against that Cardinals defense that has looked really bad. Um, it's a little bit less interested in me if there is no CMC, which I think, uh, I think I'm leaning towards CMC is probably not going to play. I don't think we know that yet, though. And and there have been some promising uh, uh, notes out of camp that maybe he's got a shot. But, you know, Baker Mayfield against that defense, DJ Moore. You can play Robbie Anderson. I don't know if you want to play LaVisca. Do you have any interest in Baker Mayfield this week? I guess so. I, I, I think I actually think Baker is fine, but not someone I'm going to prioritize. He's literally right in the middle of our top stacks tool. But just we have a, a new metric on the top stacks tool at stochastic.com, a rating metric that just combines all of the other metric quarterback ownership, the top stack percentage, the value percentage as well into one metric that's easier to understand. There's this great big bunch up uh, Carolina at 45. Baltimore at 46. New York Giants at 46. Detroit at 47. Of those, I actually think Baltimore and Carolina are by far my favorite, but I have Baker, Carolina, significantly below Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I do have, I have some interest in Baker, but I, I hear what you're saying. You know, there there might be a movement towards just play the stud quarterbacks a little bit more this year. The stud quarterbacks are just putting up so many points, and you certainly can't count on much from Baker. I'll throw some shots out there, but it's certainly not a, a high confidence play. I'm well, you know, up. because if you get one 45 point quarterback, right? and you don't have them, 
unless some flex player has like that Will Fuller 60 point game, like you're toast. You're yeah, toast in these lineups. That's a really good point. And Baker Mayfield, I don't think he has a 45 point fantasy uh, day in his range of outcomes necessarily. Maybe, maybe at the very, very high end, but it's extremely unlikely that Baker Mayfield gets there because he just doesn't do enough with his legs and, you know, isn't good enough as a quarterback. So that's uh, that's a good point. If, if anybody puts up 45, Baker Mayfield is probably not going to do it. Even if he has a great game and puts up like 28 fantasy points, that's probably not going to be enough. Um, so that that is a great point. I'm looking at these quarterbacks. I want to find a fade because I don't want to just start off here and say I don't have a fade for you because then it puts me in a lot of pressure to find one at other positions. But honestly, I, I don't think that I find a quarterback that I really want to fade here. I like your Hurts caller. Uh, is probably... Uh, my my best option here. I wanted to find somebody other than Hurts because you already said him, but uh, there's nobody else that really stands out to me as a guy that I really don't want to play. So I think uh, I think we'll just move on. What do you think about it? anything else that you want to say about the quarterback position? It's funny if I had to make a second fade, it's uh, someone being brought up in chat positively. Unfortunately, Derek Carr against Denver. Maybe I'm just still thinking that Denver has the oh they figured it out game, and against Las Vegas who does not have a strong defense. Derek Carr has a chance to be playing in a comeback effort. Maybe that means volume, but not necessarily efficiency. Uh, to answer your question, heinous one. Yes, Mariota was mentioned. We both uh, talked about Mariota positively. Um, I also want to bring up something just real quick because it came up in chat. Carlos Manzo, I think it was Carlos. No, somebody said, uh, oh no, Marcos Amparo says uh, you can play fields. You can even run him out there naked. So I, I've been moving away from playing quarterbacks naked in large field GPPs after something I learned from Alex. I said, you know, in general, he likes to be stacking quarterbacks up because yes, it's true that they have the upside to do it. You know, a rushing quarterback has the upside to do it without bringing somebody along with him. But then you kind of leave that correlation piece and you leave up so much more to chance if you're not stacking your quarterback. Is it something that you're still willing to do to, to be stacking or sorry, running out quarterbacks uh, without any stacking partners? I think if you look at it, I think there's two ways to look at it. If you have a true slate-breaking ceiling, I would say that's like Lamar, Josh Allen, uh, maybe Hurts. You can do it sometimes, right? Because if let's look at that week two from Lamar Jackson. If all the touchdowns that he threw went to just different people, then he probably could have gotten there on his own. But... Honestly, in a main slate, especially a 12-gamer main slate, we want to diminish the things that we have to actually get right. And that's why we use positive correlation in the first place. And we know the way that players get to the ceiling game at the quarterback position still involves passing, even if they have that rushing floor and ceiling. So to me, that makes sense. I'm also often trusting Alex Baker with his DFS advice. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, me me too. I like to to trust Alex (laughs) kind of a lot when I'm making my lineups. Um, all right. I think that'll do it for quarterbacks for us. We can move on to running backs. First, let me tell you guys, you can get access to all the great Stochastic Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with the Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Stochastic.com, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, our premium Discord channel, and much more. Now, if you're a new Stochastic Plus user, then you can save 50% on your first week of any Stochastic Plus Pass. All you have to do is click the link in the video description below to activate this offer or you can head to join our, our join page and use promo code on the contrary that's all caps one word o-n-t-h-e-c-o-n-t-r-a-r-y for 50 percent off your first week of any weekly package if you only want to play 
NHL DFS, that's perfectly fine. Uh, they probably meant NFL here. If you only want to play NFL DFS, that's perfectly fine. Head to no, our this NFL... is the NHL crew. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> Head to our NFL weekly checkout page instead and use this code to get 50% off your first week of our NFL package. Again, this is for new users only. Please note that Fantasy Cruncher is an add-on and is not included with this promo. I mean, sometimes we, we do say stuff like, you know, talk about MLB on the NFL shows, but yeah, this one, they just it was just a, a typo. NFL. If you only want to play NFL DFS, uh, anyway, use the code on the contrary or click the link in the video description to uh, get access. All right. Are we ready to talk about some running backs? We sure are. All right. Well, then let's start. Uh, are there any, let's start with the chalk. Any running back chalk that you are okay with eating this week? I'll eat the Saquon chalk. chalk I'll eat the Saquon chalk. I'll probably go with the Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor chalk, especially if McCaffrey sits. Because I think it's going to rise up. And that's really kind of it. I'm not saying we should differentiate. We're talking about tournaments here. We're talking about on the contrary here. Chalk is often chalk for a reason. Plays coalesce as popular because their value compared to salary-based expectation is clearly positive. In tournaments, I don't need to get to Jamal Williams. I don't need to get to Josh Jacobs against Denver. And I don't really even feel like I need to get to Austin Eckler at 7,700 against Houston. As a fan of Austin Eckler, I'd like to see it. I'm a, am I going to prioritize it? Probably not, to be honest. Okay. Yep. Uh, same page. Even Najee against the Jets. Are you really excited? Like, are we really expecting a slate-breaking, tournament-winning score from Najee Harris in this, in this Pittsburgh offense this year? Probably not. I mean, 6,700, the price tag is right for Najee in, in the matchup. So the price tag is right. The matchup is right. But yeah, it doesn't look great in the boom bust tool. And the offense just hasn't looked great. So uh, I, I see what you're saying there. Uh, as far as chalk that I'm willing to eat, I, I think we're, we're, we're going to differ here. I, I know that we're going to differ here because you already talked about how much you're going to fade him. Jamal Williams is a guy that I'm willing to eat some of that chalk. If he's only getting 24% ownership, I'll probably be above that number. I hear everything that you're saying. I think that it does make some sense that maybe maybe we are overvaluing him. But man, Jamal, Jamal Williams is a fairly talented running back. And if he's the RB1, which I, I expect him to be the RB1, I guess Craig Reynolds will be the RB2. Um I think that I like some Jamal Williams at 6,100 in this matchup with the Seahawks. So I'm willing to eat that chalk and uh, differentiate elsewhere. But yeah, you, you're making me doubt it a little bit. I still think I'm probably not going to get to 50% Jamal Williams. But if I get up to like 30%, just a little bit above the field, I think that's a spot where I'm willing to eat some chalk. Um, Seattle and Detroit, In if you isolate that adjusted fantasy points allowed metric just to the running back position, Seattle is 31st in the NFL, Detroit dead last. Love that. So I from know. a running back production standpoint, this is a good one. And even Penny on the other side of this, I mean, what is he, the seventh highest projected ownership? Um, right, at, right at the borderline chalk, I would say, at 9.6% projected ownership. After that, it gets, you know, a, a little more flat. Is it a good thing, though, if both of the defenses are really bad against the run, they're probably going to run more. And it's just going to slow the game down, right? So there's kind of a give and take there. Would you would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, you honestly hope that it isn't a game flow where both running backs are succeeding, especially on the ground, right? Because then you have less plays because the clock keeps moving for most successful run plays when they don't go out of bounds. Um, yeah, I, I When I was looking at this week and I saw that Jamal Williams is probably going to be extremely popular, I thought 4,900 Rashad Penny was going to be the first and one of the easiest ways to just say, all right, here's what everyone is doing. 
I'm going to pivot this way and start from there. But now Penny's kind of creeping up in ownership projections. I've seen some love for Javante Williams. I have that same love as well. Just sitting there at 9% ownership, I'll definitely go there. And I said it already, but we should just say it flatly. Like This could change significantly if Christian McCaffrey is ruled out because we're going to see players who want to pay up in salary uh, above that 8,500 mark just have one option instead of two. Yep, that that's a really really good point. Um, and and actually, uh, uh, M. Bruno in chat just made the comment: If McCaffrey and David Montgomery are out, aren't we talking about very different chalk, low priced Chicago and Carolina RBs? And that is a very good point. There, we could be talking about very different chalk uh, by tomorrow, or or certainly come Sunday. Um, things will change a lot if those guys are out. Uh, oh, I'll you, eat the chalk on. Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I was going to say is. the same. I was going to ask you about Khalil yeah. Herbert. I think I'm on the same page. I mean, it kind of depends on how chalky he gets up to 50%. Maybe I would fade it, but uh, I don't think he's probably sure. going to get that chalky with the late breaking news at 5,700. So I, I think I, I will be on the same page as you with Khalil Herbert. Do you think you'd be playing any uh, Chuba Hubbard if he is the, if he gets to be chalky with McCaffrey out? Uh, no, I was talking about this with a friend of mine recently, and I think there is some clarity when it comes to both the Carolina Panthers, I have a little bit more hope here, and as and the New York Giants that outside of McCaffrey, or might be getting to the point where outside of McCaffrey, like if they go down on their respective teams, we can just breathe a sigh of relief and just cross that team off our main slate needs. Okay. Uh, I get that DJ Moore is talented and that Robbie Anderson has, you know, scored from 75 plus out already this season, but... I think when we're trying to just narrow down pieces, those teams just don't offer us path to huge ceiling performances outside of their superstar player who exceeds their offense's general ability. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a strange take. I, and I also want to say that the reason I'm in on Khalil Herbert is because I'm just kind of convinced this is a good player. And he's obviously got a decent matchup and salary against the Giants. In yards created per touch on player profiler, that's yards gained after the offensive line blocked he's top 10 in the nfl he's third in yards per touch ninth in evaded tackles per touch fourth in true yards per carry all the advanced metrics are pointing to this player needing more opportunities anyway maybe the david montgomery injury finally gives way to having the bears not shoot themselves in the foot like they always seem to do yep so yeah i'm I'm on the same page as you i think uh khalil herbert is probably the more talented back I don't hate Dave Montgomery. I think that he's, you know, a fine running back. I just think uh, I agree with you that Khalil Herbert is probably the more talented back there. Um, so we've already touched on some of the contrarian guys a little bit, but any other contrarian running back options that you like this week? I mean, Chubb's got a smash spot once again at 7,900, and he's kind of one of those players that a lot, a lot of longtime DFS players over the last few years kind of know as, well, Chubb is that player who could break me but I'm not going to get there because he doesn't catch passes. And the only way he really hurts me is multiple super long touchdown runs or, or just like a three touchdown game. Well, guess what? That's all they want to do with Jacoby Brissett is just pound the ball with Nick Chubb and honestly, Kareem Hunt. And he's got another great matchup this week. And now he's sitting at under 5% ownership. It's sometimes DFS doesn't need to be rocket scientists. Sometimes I can't even speak. Sometimes DFS doesn't need to be rocket science. You just play great players in great spots, sub 5% ownership. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'll, I'll probably have some Nick Chubb this week. Played a little bit uh, last week and it worked out, but uh, didn't play enough. Still had a pretty bad Sunday, so uh, did not quite work out for me. Another another uh, spot that I went last week was the New England running backs. I went to both in in different spots, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Uh, I think Ramondre Stevenson looks like the more uh, the, the better option here. It seems like he's been doing a little better. He's a little bit more uh, of a receiving back. Do you have any interest in Ramondre Stevenson this week? I honestly don't. Uh, Laffey was talking him up as well, really positively, and I think he's talented. Again, this is just the risk of ruin factor. Like Brian Hoyer does not an offense make, period. Like when you put him behind center, there's just such limited things you can do. And I'd love to be wrong here. Probably the way that I'm wrong is that Ramondre Stevenson breaks a few long runs. So in that regard, I get him as a DFS play. But honestly, the thing that's more appealing, if I'm looking at a running back in that game, how about sub 4.5% Aaron Jones? I don't know why people people are scared of AJ Dillon or want to get there at 6K, but I'll pay up to be contrarian. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No yeah, so uh, these are all players that I talked about with Lafayette too on the ownership show on Wednesday. And I, I think I have more interest than you do in Reminder Stevenson. But yeah, the, the Patriots have a 15 uh, implied total, some, something along there. So not expected to put up a ton of points. Usually you don't want to play teams in offenses that are not going to put up a lot of points but the Packers are just so bad against the run that I'm willing to take some shots on Ramondre and even even Damian Harris at lower ownership uh, even though Ramondre looks like the guy I think that could change week to week but yeah the Packers guys just objectively look really good this week uh, and, and I'll include AJ Dillon in that as well we have him project for 8.2 percent ownership 10.8 percent chance of being optimal would you put AJ Dillon in that bucket of players that you like as well I mean he's, he's a little bit higher owned so not quite as contrarian obviously as uh, Aaron Jones right. didn't quite fit the criteria but are you still willing to play uh, AJ Dillon too? Yeah, let's remember the purpose of the show. We're trying to galaxy brain things here, sure, but sure. the fundamentals say that you play favorites, uh, 10 point favorites, especially ones that want to run the ball as much as, or I should say, get the ball to running backs as much as the Green Bay Packers do, especially when it's 6K. This makes all the sense in the world. Honestly, I thought the ownership would be higher. Uh, we'll see what it comes out to on Sunday, but at 8%, I'll be over on Dillon for sure. Okay. Um, hey, Neil, I wonder if we should get to that question about using the lineup generator for one lineup. Because not only is it really cool, we got DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo now, and Showdown. But I think it really matters what kind of lineup you're building, right? Like if we're talking large field tournaments like we are, you want to get that contrarian rating way higher, no? Is that how you're doing it? 
Yeah, probably. So, so I, uh, I missed the question. Um, I'm, I was trying to find the question, but yeah, I think in a tournament, you're going to want to be a lot more contrarian, especially in a large field tournament than a small field tournament than a cash game setting. Um, so yeah, I think that if you're playing the large field tournament, make sure you do turn up that contrarian uh, a good amount, and, but you still want to make sure, does the lineup look like a lineup that you would want to play? Does it look like these players have a legitimate chance of success? In any lineup you make, you're going to probably eat some chalk. You're going to have some high-owned plays that just have high probability of success. And then you're going to have some plays in there who have maybe a little bit lower but uh, are also not very owned and still have the upside there. Um, so that's that's what I'm trying to look at if I'm using the lineup generator tool. Uh, just to put a little bit more clarity on it, uh, because we got the bars at the bottom, they turn different colors. I want the the ownership bar to be at least medium or green all the way to contrarian if I'm going to enter it into a tournament. Okay. Yep. That makes sense to me. Good call to talk about that tool because it's a new tool and I'm loving it. It's looking like a really interesting tool that people can use uh, for, awesome. for some tournament play. Um, all right. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about some fades here and I want to start by just talking about, uh, so Landon brings up Damian Pierce as somebody who looks kind of interesting this week. He doesn't look great in the boom bust tool though. We're looking at 9.2% projected ownership, booming 1.8% of the time and optimal 3.5% of the time. So from a boom bust perspective, he looks like somebody that I'm probably likely to be under the field on if he's getting to 9.2% ownership. Uh, are you on the same page with me on Damian Pierce? I am. I don't really want to play running backs who have to be absolutely elite in order to score touchdowns because his team is doing him no favors getting him there, right? So the fact that Houston every single week, regardless of the defense they're facing, is going to be projected for a significantly lower total than the average team means that Damian Pierce has to get two things right, essentially. He not only has to break a bunch of tackles and long runs, he also has to be the one that gets into the end zone as well. At nine and a half to ten percent ownership expectation, I'll be on under for sure. Okay, yeah, I think uh, I think we're on the same page there. Any other fades that you want to throw out there? Uh, I I still don't trust James Conner. I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy, and if he's going to be particularly popular, like top ten running back, I probably will find elsewhere to go. Okay. Would you ever throw out a guy like Eno Benjamin, uh, just with the the hopes that maybe he's limited? Maybe Eno Benjamin takes out a, takes on a bigger role there. It's uh, a long. Shot. I think but if you're entering, field, I think if you're entering one field, one fifty, and you're doing a large field, and you're kind of building around. Okay, Arizona's defense is really bad, so a couple of Carolina pieces are hitting, and then I want unique runbacks that are going to help me try to take down a millie maker. It makes sense in that context, but as a one off, no. Okay. Um, all right. I'll throw out a fade. Um, maybe Austin Eckler is a guy who just doesn't look great in the boom bust tool. Uh, the offense just doesn't, I, I don't know if Herbert is going to be a little bit better this week, if he's a little bit healthier and can, can move the ball a little bit better, but at 7,700, I just think there's other places I'd rather go than Austin Eckler at 14% ownership. I, I think that would probably be the fade for me. Uh, anything else you want to say about running backs before we move on? I think we covered it. Guys, this is one week where, yes, chalk may change at this position, but uh, we did we did good with the caveats, I believe. Yeah, I, I think we I think we covered them fairly well. All right. Uh, let, let me tell you guys about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers daily prop-based contests. There are no sharks, optimizers, or mass entries on Prize Picks. You enter five player lineups, so you can net up to 10x your entry fee. You can also use your knowledge of multiple sports with cross sport entries on prize picks. So you don't, don't have to make all just NFL bets. If you know more about MLB or some other sports, you can you can make uh, entries with multiple sports in them. 
Click the link in the description below to get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to a $100 deposit bonus, uh, match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with prize picks. All right, uh, let's let's move on then to wide receivers. We talked about quarterbacks. Um, we are uh, this. We, we can we can talk a little bit, Matt. I thought uh, I thought this might be tough to fill a two person show when it's usually a three person show, but we are moving along nicely. We still have talked about a few positions here, but we talked about quarterbacks, so maybe that'll make talking about wide receivers a little bit easier. Uh, let's start with some chalk that you are willing to eat at the wide receiver position. I think if I'm willing to eat the chalk with Josh Allen, then you have to be willing to eat the chalk with Stephon Diggs. Obviously, if you're going to have the highest zone quarterback and the highest known wide receiver in your lineup, that means a, another level of contrarianism with the other parts of your lineup. But I see it as a good matchup. I see it as a situation that makes sense. I see it as good chalk, the bottom line there. Deontay Johnson is one that I kind of see the other way. We'll get there in a minute. C.D. Lamb against Washington. That's the one I want to highlight. It just feels like in the second half of that game against the Giants, the offense the current iteration of the Cowboys offense figured it out, figured something out and they were just able to move the ball better. It wasn't even necessarily in the stats, but if you were, if you were watching that game on the advanced metrics show at the EPA per play for a player like Cooper rush was there. And obviously CD lamb was one drop away from an absolutely monster fantasy performance. Now he faces a Washington defense that might actually be worse than the giants that they just faced. Um, even though it's Cooper Rush, I think the price is right at 6700 uh, I'll probably ab- be above that 15% mark. Okay, yeah, I like that call on Cooper Rush. Or sorry, on uh, C.D. Lamb. Yeah. It does seem like he's figured out this, that uh, that Cooper Rush has figured out that C.D. Lamb is his top receiver. So maybe things are looking up a little bit there. Uh, I think that I'm willing to eat some chalk on D.J. Moore in this matchup with Arizona. Um, I, I think uh, you know maybe we're not quite on the same page entirely there. Um, although you kind of did convince me that maybe I shouldn't be playing Baker Mayfield, but maybe I can still play some of these uh, wide receivers for Carolina. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson still look kind of interesting. So at 10% ownership, I think I'm probably willing to eat that DJ Moore chalk. And then also throw out Drake London. We talked about Marcus Mariota. If I'm playing Marcus Mariota, I'm also willing to play some Drake London at 15.3% ownership. I think those are a couple of pieces. Do you have any interest in either of those guys? London is just impressing the shit out of me. I don't know what else to say. Like if you're this young and you're first of all, garnering this much attention from defenses and still getting the target share he's getting, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. His targets per route run number one in the NFL right now, he's only got three red zone targets and yet he's still at 17 fantasy points per game. Uh, this guy's going to be really good. He literally just turned 21 years old. Uh, I still feel like we're on the wave up with Drake London. Are there going to be bad games? It's a wide receiver in fantasy football. The variance is always going to be there, but uh, enjoy it because Drake London may be one of those players who is going to be at the 7K and above level for a long, long time, even if his team is only subpar. Again, we've been talking about this Atlanta offense scoring more real-life points than we thought. How can you not be into it? I do like him. And then there's uh, there's one other chalk I will eat right at the bottom of the 10% and above tier. Cortland Sutton, again, this maybe this is more wishful thinking that Russ and his very dangerous sandwiches can finally figure out how to get Cortland Sutton. I mean, he's had some pretty monster games, but just turn him into the number one receiver that I think he can be. 
I've been loving all of the memes related to the very dangerous sandwich. Those are just oh my really enjoyable to me because that is the dorkiest thing I have ever seen. You saw uh, the Dark Knight one? Oh, yeah, I saw the Dark Knight one. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that tremendous one cinema. Um, all right, B- because I have you here, and I, I've been I've asked this question to a few people. Do you have an opinion about Drake London versus Kyle Pitts long term? Who do you think is going to have the better career there? I hate to say it, but Drake London, you splash this big this early, and you you have my what is it? You had my attention. Now you have my curiosity. Or the, the, <laughs> I like that. Vice versa, I don't know what whatever from. it is from Django. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the look, Kyle Pitts, an extremely unique prospect. I care about you catching touchdowns. And we saw this early in uh, Michael Thomas's career, too, where he like had warts on his profile. And you know what? Drew Brees found him in the end zone over and over and over again. We're like, hey, maybe this guy's pretty good. Yeah. This is what we all decided. Same thing's <laughs> happening right now with, with right. London. That's yeah, he, he, he looks really solid. Uh, we got a question from Ryan Samazzi. Does the hurricane affect the Arizona versus Panthers game? I have no opinion of that. I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, Dexter Pope answers that the hurricane will be gone by Sunday. Uh, do you have any read on that situation, Matt? Uh, according to this website I found out, nflweather.com, it says that it will be overcast and there's rain throughout the day. Um. I would pro with sub 10 mile per hour winds. I would probably think that's a bunch of nothing on, yeah. unless they said heavy rain throughout the day. I, yeah. I realize that's, it's kind of a weak line, but that is my line. That, uh, yeah. That sounds like a bunch of nothing. I do want to say, I, I'm sorry about your bong Dexter Pope. He says that it's been windy blew the, his bong off of his balcony and it shattered on the ground. So RIP to Dexter's bong. I'm really, really sorry to hear that. Um, but we we got we to gotta soldier on and talk about a little bit more football. Let's talk some contrarian wide receivers. Anybody you like in that, you know, around 5% or below range? Below 5%, I still think, again, it, this is game environment more than me thinking he's healthy all of a sudden. But Gabe Davis at 4% against the Baltimore defense that I still think people haven't caught up with the possibility that they're below average and possibly bad. Again, small sample size. I don't know these things, but that's what the, the numbers are pointing us towards. Keenan Allen against a bad Houston defense before anyone's excited to play him, right? I want to get into that game where he gets 10 targets when no one's playing him because the second time it happens, everyone's going to be playing him. And I actually think, going back to this Arizona-Carolina game, if Greg Dorch is going to be like a 9-10 target guy and he's going to be 5K and no one's going to play him, then I'm probably going to have to go there. Just, just looking at opportunities compared to ownership, this is one that I just have to say, all right, this is a value. I've seen some people have the opinion that all of this usage that Greg Dortch is getting is a good sign for Rondell Moore. If you drafted Rondell Moore, this is a great sign that Greg Dortch is getting all this volume. Do you think that's true? I So I, I have uh, mixed feelings about that because it's like, sure, maybe he just stepped into the Rondell Moore role, but also maybe he just took the Rondell Moore role. Like, are we sure that Rondell Moore is better than Greg Dortch? Do you have an opinion on that? Uh, I think they care about second round draft capital in the front office to make Rondell Moore look like a smarter pick than Greg Dortch. But no, I don't know that from a talent standpoint. And what you just described, this one-off situation is literally the reason why it's more fun to play multiple lineups, right? Because what I would like to do is rather just allocate five, maybe 10 lineups to this game environment and say, in some of the situations, I'm going to slip in Rondale Moore, basically saying, I'm going to have his, I'm going to 
allocate the Dorch production to more in this lineup. And then in another one, I'll just have Dorch take it over. It's hard to read. Uh, we'll find out more next week. But I honestly, if you had to give uh, my answer right now, I think Dorch has earned a role in this offense. I think he has too. He's looked great through three weeks. So uh, I think he's definitely earned that role. Uh, what about in, in that same game, uh, Robbie Anderson, I've talked about him a little bit at 4,700, only getting 4.4% projected ownership, boom, 6.2% of the time, optimal 5.9% of the time. Do you think you have any interest in Robbie Anderson this week? No. <laughs> uh, well, okay. The We just talked about the uh, the game environment play and how bad Arizona's defense is. They looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams in the in the NFL defensively. They've actually improved a little bit. They're all the way up to 28th with all the bad defenses we've been talking about. Baltimore, Atlanta, Seattle, Houston, Arizona. So I guess Robbie Anderson and his 11-plus average depth of target is good enough. But honestly, Baker is not pushing the ball downfield to Robbie Anderson in a way that we've seen previous quarterbacks do it. I say that knowing he literally scored a 75-yard touchdown in week one. So if you're going to get that at 4,700 and sub-5% ownership, you're going to feel pretty good. Yeah, that's that's obviously just one play, so that's not really a trend on that one play. But maybe that's the whole reason that I have interest. I just remember that one play, and in his history, Robbie Anderson has been that player, so I'm a little bit hopeful. I see how we, we got Kane Smith in the chat saying, I like Greg Dortch, think he's a good player. Uh, Kane Smith was my latest guest on High Stakes, and we learned that he actually played against Greg Dortch in high school. So he knows a thing or two about Greg Dortch. He thinks he's a very <laughs> solid player. Uh, if, if you haven't checked out uh, that episode of High Stakes, go check out uh, No Kane, No Game high stakes it was a really fun episode um all right uh any other uh low-owned wide receivers that you want to throw out there i mean we, we've covered several and we can only we can't talk about everybody we like but anybody else that you just want to highlight we can't talk about all 128 fantasy relevant wide receivers um okay how about we talked about drake london but the other wide receiver who's impressed me rookie wide receiver who's impressed uh, me a ton is garrett wilson and because zach wilson is starting nobody wants to play this guy despite all of the usage metrics saying that this is a very strong player. Obviously, there's a ton of unknowns, but he's ninth in the NFL in targets, fifth in total air yards, second in total red zone targets. I don't know what this offense looks like with Wilson compared to Flacco any more than you do, but maybe he's just a good player who deserves the ball, and Zach Wilson will figure that out soon enough. Yeah, I think that seems likely that he'll be able to figure out that Garrett Wilson is the guy you want to get the ball to. I mean, Elijah Moore is a really, really good uh, wide receiver also. Um, but yeah, I think Garrett Wilson, do you think Garrett Wilson is going to overtake Elijah Moore as a wide receiver one? Uh, this is the hardest question. I'm throwing hard. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say no, but I don't, I think Lepre would say otherwise. Our stochastic fantasy analyst, Nick Lepre would think that, nope, this is changing right away. And Elijah Moore becomes the wide receiver one a to, to Wilson's one B. Okay. I, and I also asked because we have Elijah Moore at 1.8% projected ownership. So he's kind of probably in that same bucket. Would you put him in that bucket of players that, you know, 4,800, 1.8% ownership, any interest there? Yep. And Pittsburgh defense, I think people haven't caught up to the fact that not only are they typically league average when TJ Watt leaves the field, they might have more holes than the previous years plus Watt is out. Okay. All right. Uh, and then fades. Let's, let's talk some wide receiver fades real quick. Anybody that you want to highlight as a wide receiver that you are not interested in getting uh, to the field? Um, well, obviously, we still have Amon Ra in there. Uh, don't play him. He's been ruled out. Uh, I don't want any of the Jacksonville wide receivers this week. 
I think the Philly defense is very, very legit. And I don't think I'm playing any Brandon Cooks at 13% ownership. Like, I would be half the field on that. Okay. Uh, the Chargers, first of all, we've talked about the Houston offense and having very little touchdown equity, and we've seen that come to fruition with Cooks so far. And the Chargers have been tough against wideouts for the most part this season. A subpar performance in week three, but we saw how this defense played Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in week two. And I just don't need to play a chalky Brandon Cooks at all. I, ju- I just don't have to in that situation. Yep. I like that call. I'll also throw out Curtis Samuel. I just don't really believe in Carson Wentz. And if Curtis Samuel is going to get up to 9.3% projected ownership at 5,700, always an in-game injury risk. I think that I'm going to be uh, well under the field on Curtis Samuel. Most likely. Do you have any thoughts there? I think Terry McLaurin is a really fun tournament play this week. The Terry McLaurin pop week is going to be really fun. If we can guess which one, which week that is uh, Dallas's defense that's kind of an impressive unit, especially just Micah Parsons, just watching that guy play every, every time he's on camera is, is pretty great, but uh, I expect some turnovers. And so I, I, I do think there's a certain point where Terry McLaurin just gets loose for two touchdowns. And if you're, you're on him that week, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. I, I like that call and projected for 1% ownership. So definitely work worth, worth taking some shots on this week. Uh, we got the question. So would you play any Detroit wide receivers did not mention any good matchup? I think it's hard to say at this point, because we need to kind of see where the ownership shakes out. Once we know about Amon Ross St. Brown, um, if he doesn't get too chalky, then sure. I'll be taking some shots on DJ Tark, but if he gets up to like 30%, then I'm probably going to be under the field. Uh, He's hurt any- too. Is DJ Tark hurt? I didn't realize that. He was downgraded to did not practice yesterday. And yeah. Josh Reynolds missed earlier in the week, but he would actually be. I don't know if I want to play hurt DJ Chark. I okay. really don't know without Swift in the lineup, maybe a 4,600 Reynolds at sub right now. We have him at 2%. He's not going to be sub 2% if uh, once we run this without Amon Ra, I don't need to play either of these players when they're chalk. Yep. I think that is a good call. For me, I think it's just kind of a play by ear. We got to see who's in, who's out, how the ownership shakes out. But yeah, if they're chalky, Detroit's probably a fade. Um, but otherwise, you know, if, if they don't get chalky in a, in a matchup with Seattle, maybe I'll have some interest there. Um, I think that we have covered wide receivers fairly well. Uh, if you don't have anything else you want to say, okay. uh, no, I think we've, I mean, successfully covered it for now. I know we gotta we gotta get moving here, but yep. wide receiver is the one where if you want to just use a one off to differentiate yourself. If you see a pathway to success, go for it. Okay. Uh, Guys, let me tell you, you can get access to expert sports betting picks straight from your favorite Odd Shopper personalities with our Odd Shopper Premium Insider. Click below to browse packages from six of our experts. And with each, you'll find a coupon for your first week completely free. With each package, you'll get access to their Insider subscriber channel within the Stochastic Discord, as well as our other Odd Shopper betting channels available. There's no cost to you to give this a shot for a week. So click below to get started now. All right, Matt, let's move on to tight ends. We got to go pretty quickly with these last couple. Uh, We'll start with any uh, tight end chalk that you're willing to eat. Uh, Mark Andrews, dude's a freak. Dude's awesome. Uh, it's a tough matchup. I, by eating the chalk, I mean, I will be at least with the field using ownership to guide how I use Mark Andrews this week. But from a target share, air yard share perspective, there's just nobody close, uh, especially without Kelsey on the slate. You know, you're just grasping at straws and just trying to get a Mark Andrews-esque week when you play anyone else. Yep. 
I, I like that call. I think I'm with you on Mark Andrews. And I'll just say, just looking at the top of the ownership board, I think that I'm willing to get close to the uh, close to the field on Andrews, Pitts, Fryermuth, the, the top three in terms of ownership. I'm probably willing to get there on all of them. You just got to play somebody who you think is pretty good at tight end. Not many guys have real spike week potential, but obviously uh, Andrews has it. Pitts hasn't really shown it, but I think it's there. Fryermuth, I think it might be there. So I think I'm willing to kind of eat the chalk on all of those guys. We're moving quickly, though, so we'll move right on to some contrarian tight ends. Anybody that you uh, like who's a little bit lower owned? Uh, I want to play Robert Tunyon as a mega, mega favorite at home at 3,500. I still think that they're finding a spot for him in the offense, easing him back in uh, slowly after the ACL tear. Dawson Knox. I mean, he could be the fifth option in the Bills offense, and that still might be a value uh, because they score so many touchdowns sometimes, especially if you play the narrative that Baltimore's defense is worse than people think. And then uh, we got to go back to this Arizona-Carolina game. I guess I guess they are popping a little more than I realized because Zach Ertz, again, with A.J. Green injured and uncertainty related to Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch, why not the certainty of Zach Ertz, who is being utilized uh, like an elite tight end, essentially ever since he got traded to Arizona. Um, I know he's older, but I see a big tier break between him and sort of the next tier where you're really asking a lot of questions. Even players like Dalton Schultz in a good in a good matchup, like how healthy is he? How many targets can we really guarantee for Tyler Conklin in New uh, in New York with Zach Wilson coming back? Even Darren Waller playing a Denver defense that is definitely the best part of that team right now. Uh, what can we really, really say? So honestly, if I'm if there's one position I'm trying to get up to the more competent, higher owned plays, it's tight end. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll throw one name at you that looks interesting. looks great in the boom bust tool is Gerald Everett coming in at 4.2% ownership with an 11.3% chance of booming. Do you have uh, interest there? I do. Houston's defense being the reason. But do you really want or need Justin banged up Justin Herbert's fourth slash fifth option to win you a tournament? Possibly. But uh, Everett with Allen coming back makes me a little nervous considering he's top 10 uh, again, among tight ends, it means a little different, but in overall ownership. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that I, I probably have more interest than you do, but yeah, as you say, I guess the, the defense helps. I also kind of wonder if Gerald Everett is moving up into that, uh, top tier, like top 12 tight ends. He's been pretty good so far this year. I think that he's at least got a shot. He's a pretty talented receiver. I think there's any chance he's just getting there. I absolutely do. Uh, I mean, this is a player, first of all, they want to feature the tight end position. And we kind of knew that Jared Cook wasn't the long-term solution last year. I think people think that Gerald Everett is like 38 years old. The dude has just turned 28, has above average athletic metrics, no matter where you're looking, and now has top seven in total targets and top six in total air yards at the position. What you said is not at all crazy. I just don't know if I really can trust those numbers because Keenan Allen is such a target hog when he's on the field and healthy. Yeah, that's a really good point. Does probably cut into him a little bit. Uh, and then let's finally, any tight end fades for you? Um, honestly, I'm looking at these top four, and the biggest fade I have is probably Njoku because of the fading of the game environment. Oh, sorry, I said I meant Hawkinson, a yeah. fading of the game environment, but I will have less of the field in Njoku because it feels a little point chasey. Happy to see it happen last week, but I'm not sure that so much of the opportunity share is going to be filtered to just him and Cooper again. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. Of of the uh, high-owned tight ends, 
Uh, Hawkinson is probably my biggest fit. I kind of like Najoku, but uh, yeah, Hawkinson is probably the one that stands out to me as a guy that I might not get to the field on Hawkinson. I think I'm more likely to get there on Najoku than Hawkinson. Don't hold me to that. I'm not totally sure of it, but uh, I think it's probably Hawkinson for me. Um, all right, then let's, uh, anything else you want to say about tight ends before we move on? Uh, I think there is a rare tight end handcuff emerging in fo- football. This might be a more fantasy football pick, but if Mark Andrews, knock on wood, I don't want to see this, were to ever miss time, I think Isaiah likely walks into a 20% target share like day one. That guy's on the field a ton already. And while I don't want this timeline to happen, we should just be aware of it. Um, that I think, yeah. I think sharp minds differed as far as best ball. Is Isaiah likely a fish play or is he a great play? I was on the side of, I kind of like him as a play just because he's on the field regardless. And then if Andrews goes down, he's a tight end one. So I actually have a fair amount of Isaiah likely in best ball. And I think that, uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly a really interesting play, especially if you're playing like a dynasty or a keeper league might be a guy to, uh, to throw into your, uh, into your player onto your roster is what I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's move on to defenses. We're getting a little bit late here, but let's just touch on defenses real quick. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about defenses fades defenses? You like, we don't really have to go in depth on defenses. I don't think Steelers defense is popular. You probably don't want to play a hyper popular defense, but you, uh, you understand why they're playing the jets and Zach Wilson. Um, honestly, I think green Bay is just in a, in an absolute smash and I'm going to try to get there. I get why people can't because they're trying to get salary elsewhere, but come on guys. Like this is, this is a smash. You're, you're they're going to destroy Brian Hoyer. And while green Bay has had holes on defense, like they're, they're up for this task. Any interest in the commander's defense uh, going up against Cooper rush? It's not bad. I'm from the Washington area. It's not good to ask me about this team because I hate them with all my guts. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We will avoid talking about the commanders. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we, we don't need to go in depth on defense. Anything else that you want to say, or is that uh, is that good enough? And we can just talk about top stacks. This is a great. This is a great flattening position, but I do think that chalk is coalescing in weird spots. At least the way the ownership looks right now. I don't think the Giants or Titans defense are particularly good. Again, this is just matchup and the way that optimal lineups are looking. So in those situations, I think I tend to lean towards bad chalk for those and just get different by fading them okay uh that works for me i think that's all we need to say about defenses let's just work uh talk about some top stacks who, who are a couple uh uh contrarian gpp stacks that you like this week contrarian gpp stacks or just gpp stacks in general i guess i mean they're probably going to be contrarian by nature let me look at the ownership here real quick uh i do think the chargers stack with a healthier receiving core and the ownership for Herbert looking at like sub 5%. They don't really pop in our top stacks tool, but I want to give them a shout out since the Houston defense is not good at all. And we mentioned Atlanta stacks. Uh, they actually pop in our tools. Um, I thought they would be a little less popular, but I will be with the field maybe even over. I think that offense is way better than people think. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about Lamar Jackson, so I think we can, I can assume that Lamar Jackson makes it into some of your favorite yes. PPP stacks as well. Uh, Mark Andrews, anybody else you're throwing, you know, Rashad Bateman in there? Who else do you like? Anybody else you're liking from Baltimore? Or is it just going to be primarily Mark Andrews? Uh, Duvernay and likely are large field additions to that, but yeah, they're low probability hits comparatively. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll throw in, I, I do like Carolina. They actually look over-owned in our tools, only 3% chance of being the top stack on the board at 5.2% ownership. So not phenomenal there, but uh, I have some interest there. 
And then where was I was here? Oh, yeah. So so Kyler's getting virtually no ownership. Maybe I'd throw Arizona in there too. I might take a few shots on Arizona. You mentioned Greg Dort is somebody you like. Uh, you know, and Ertz too. Yeah, Ertz, that's a Marquise, good point. Marquise Brown is not getting a ton of ownership. He's you know kind of uh, expensive for what he has uh, been so far, but I think he's maybe interesting. So I think I, I could maybe throw a few shots at Arizona. Uh, as well some some stacks uh, anything else that you want to say more generally or are we ready to close out the show i think that's about it uh I, we did a good job racing through those final positions and it, it was a thrill to be here man happy to happy to do this one yeah thanks for coming on that was that was a lot of fun really enjoyed doing this two-man show and it was not hard for us to cover an hour we went a little bit long which i, I shouldn't be all. surprised by that i kind of figured uh you'd be able to talk some football for an hour but uh yeah had, had a lot of fun thanks for coming on thanks thanks to everybody else for watching uh hit that like button if you haven't already subscribe to the channel we just hit eighty thousand subscribers which is very exciting but you know we want to get to a hundred thousand within the next year or so so uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Uh, we've got the uh, betting show coming up, the odds shopper show with uh, Laffy and Ben Rosses coming up next. And then we've got a no house advantage show with Pete and Jeff and then MLB deeper dive and live before lock coming up later today. So check those out as well. Thanks for watching guys.